Hey everybody, I'm Michael Prentke and this is the Boss Bones podcast. And I'm super, super excited to have Mr. Brian Thomas on the show today. Um, Brian's been on my radar for years. He's definitely been one of the top trombone people, Boss Bones for sure, no doubt. <laughs> His name is all <laughs> over town, playing with all the different people. So I'm really excited to get a chance to talk with you here because we haven't really talked much before. So yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for thinking of me. Um, first, I, I just wanted to bring up that I I think you've got a couple things coming up, which is a show with the um, your big band on the, the 15th. You want to mention that? Yeah, we're, we actually was supposed to go down last week, but we got rained out. So we had a rain oh, date bummer. for the 15th. Um, so a BTALC big band, which is a a band I run with uh, with my good friend Alex Lee Clark, who's a trumpet player in town, and um, we've had this man. We've had this band going for to over ten years now, and uh, um, you know, out of all the groups, you know, that have you know after the, the as restrictions have uh, kind of loosened up, this has been the the one band that's been the toughest to get up and running, just because it's an an, an eighteen piece band, but. Um, so we're, we're super, we're super psyched. So we're going to be over at Medusa Brewing Company and they have this beautiful beer garden. Um, and um, that's in uh, Hudson, Mass. So a little bit of a trek, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's well worth it. They got awesome, awesome beer, great brewery, great people. And they got a uh, awesome taco food truck out there and a, a good vibe. Nice. Um, so, and it, that's a, that's a 630 show um, on, on the 15th. So uh, I'm super excited to get that, that up and running. Nice. And then you also dropped a couple of singles with them, right? With the, the big band. Yeah. You know, as soon as the, the, the pandemic hit and we kind of got shut down, I was, um, you know, just shooting, shooting the breeze with, with my friend, Alan Evans, who runs vintage league music. Um, he's uh, also the, the great, great uh, drummer from the band soul live. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, <laughs> we started batting around the idea. Can we record a big band remotely? And, uh, the yeah. answer is indeed, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so they, uh, <laughs> They tracked the rhythm section at his place out at, at Iron Wax Studio in Western Mass. And then, you know, kind of gradually put up, put everything together. So um, the first, the first two we song we put out was a song called Bring Forth Change um, that I had wrote. And uh, we invited Nigel Hall from Lettuce to, to sing, sing the hook. Uh, and Eric Bloom also in Lettuce, who is also an original member of, of our band. Um, he, you know, features him on that track. So that's nice. And then we just kept the ball rolling and we, we did another one uh, called the Iguana that um, featured uh, Al's, Al's uh, bandmate Eric Krasno on guitar and uh, the great Carl Denson on, on tenor sax. So that was cool to have those guys as guests. And then uh, we did one more that ended up being part of uh, the Vintage League Music Family album uh, that Alex wrote. Uh, tune called uh, "What Will You Do?" Awesome tune, awesome arrangement, and uh, we featured uh, John Modeski on keys on that one. So nice. It was a nice little, nice little opportunity to kind of reach out to some, 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 some friends that are usually really busy and don't have time <laughs> to do that kind of stuff. Because uh, you know that's that was kind of the cool thing about the pandemic is uh, is if if you if you looked at it the right way, it was an opportunity to to actually you know, work with people all over the world and, you know, no boundaries and, and, um, and engage. So, um, if uh, that's, and that's what we tried to do. So it was pretty cool. You know, where I'm pretty, pretty proud of, proud of, uh, those, those three tracks of, of how they came out and, you know, especially in, uh, 
you think recording a big band, you want the room mics and you, you know, you know, you, th you think about that dynamics a little different than recording like a, a two piece section or a three piece section, you know, but, um, you know, I'm really proud of the way, the way it came out and Al, Al did a, a fantastic job mixing it and, you know, making it sound natural, you know, there's little things as, you know, I know there's a lot, obviously a lot of bone players that'll be listening to this. So you might hear like a, a thing or two, like that you could tell that we're not in the same room. There might be like a swell that didn't like quite, you know, you know, some ensemble stuff, you know, but I think to, to most people just listening to it, it came out really good. So I'm, I'm stoked. I, I hope that any anybody who listens to it and uh, is discerning enough to notice something like that is not uh, a dick. <laughs> like, oh, the swells weren't together. <laughs> I think they understand. I hope you understand that this is a pretty uh, special circumstance. Everyone's in different yeah. rooms. Yeah. Fairly impossible. But that that's great. Congratulations on all the the projects and the the releases and the shows coming up. It sounds like stuff is starting to kind of happen again. How how is the pandemic for you? Otherwise, it sounds like you're pretty busy with recording. But also, how's the kind of transition into maybe more stuff happening live? Maybe sort of out of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I. I, I, I was a little bit lucky. I did. I did find a way to perform live throughout the pandemic. Um, I did just stumbled upon a, a few things. Um, my, my, my really good friend, uh, Dan De La Cruz, uh, who's, who's lives out on the East coast now, but he's in the band slightly stupid, which is like a Cali roots, you know, uh, uh, reggae band out of San Diego. And he, but he lives out here. And so we started like talking about how we could get some stuff going and then um, he, you know, his good friend G Love, who he's got G Love and the Special Sauce. Um, you know, he he lives out here on the Cape, and his band was on the West Coast. So we, you know, he was like, well, why don't we put together, you know, something that we could perform with out here and kind of reimagine some of his songs, which are normally a trio. And uh, we we turned it into like a big eight piece band with with horns and everything. So I got to perform a lot with that group. Um, All during the pandemic. Yeah, we did a lot. We did like um, a residency at Hog Island Brewery on the Cape. Um, wow. it was nice on like, a, you know, I think a Monday or Tuesday nights. And then we did like a lot of the, the drive-in the drive theater style shows where people were buying pods yeah. and, and, and setting up. So, man, I mean, it got rough in the winter, obviously, with, um, you know, because, you know, indoor stuff wasn't happening. But, um, man, mm -hmm. I, I really I feel blessed that I was able to, to keep playing. And, and I was recording not only for, for my big band, but for, for a lot of other projects, too. So mm -hmm. it was cool. But, man, it was also really cool to be home and have dinner with my family every night and like not always be running in like a thousand different directions. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we had a, we had a baby, uh, we had, oh, we had a pandemic baby. Thank you so much. So, um, so that was awesome. And, you know, uh, and, and so there, there was definitely for me, you know, sometimes I hate to say it cause I know a lot of people had a rough, rough year, but man, in, in a lot of ways, um, this past 18 months has been, has been really positive for me in terms of, you know, career wise, like, you know, being able to practice and not, not always <laughs> run around, like to actually, you know, my, my Arben book is destroyed now because I've, I've, I've actually used it every single day, you know, and um, that wasn't the, you know, when you're on the hustle bustle and you're running from one thing to another, one student, one lesson, this one gig, and it's just, it just can be really hard. So, 
Um, so it was really cool. And now that, you know, everything's kind of coming back together, um, it's great. You know, I feel like a, a, a switch was hit and then all of a sudden it's like, we're back in. Um, so, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's been cool. And, but I do think the pandemic gave me a little perspective of, of, um, you know, I'm almost 45 years old and maybe I don't have to say yes to every, everything, you know, and, you know, I do, I, I think I value being home with my family a little bit more than, than maybe I, 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 you know, maybe I took it for granted a little bit before the pandemic. So, you know, try to try to gain a little perspective on that, you know, is, uh, is important too to reflect and, and see where, where you're at and, and, and uh, you know, what's, what's, what's best for you, you know? Yeah. So you, you feel like, um, the way that you're sort of forced to live and survive in the pandemic might kind of inform the way that you move in the future or like make decisions. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I probably should have found a way to have that, that realization years ago, you know, <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, uh, but you know, you're taught as a freelance musician, like if that, if that, if that spot is open in your calendar, you say yes, yeah. you know, and you, and, and, you know, and, and I think because of that, you know, I've, I've, I've been successful because I've always kind of had that mentality of, of, you know, I'll do the GPS. Well, can I drive from here to here and make it in time? <laughs> and like, you know, like trying to squeeze every little thing in. And um, I think that's important to do as a young trombonist or young musician in general, you know, um and uh, so i i i I appreciate all my time doing that and um you know i'm sure some weeks and some months will still be like that where um you know balls to the walls like you know going nonstop. but um i think it's also cool to like take a step back and be like okay you know don't have to do anything like i didn't you know from cutting my gig schedule down like you know so much obviously this past year the the bill still got paid everybody was still okay you know, so, um, yeah, but so I, def I, yeah, I definitely think it'll, it'll inform the future and, and, uh, and, uh, but with that being said, for all the young musicians listening to this, like, you know, uh, the reason why I think I'm in this position now is because for 20 years, the answer has been yes. Mm. You know, so it's kind of a complicated thing. Like at some point, you know, maybe when you're sort of trying to cut your teeth a bit, it's like you you got to say yes to everything but then maybe at some point when yeah. the when the time is right you can start to have dinner with your family <laughs> yeah and, and you know take maybe maybe it's okay to take that lower paying jazz club date versus the wedding because it because you know you don't have to be there till nine o'clock and you know it doesn't suck up the whole day of like driving down to the cape or wherever you have to go you know so um yeah i just think it's just a matter of of of, of for me shifting of, of where my thought process is and and how i view myself as a musician and an artist and um and uh you know trying to <laughs> trying to make it all work man i mean speaking of making it all work it, it seems like you've got a pretty major juggling act as far as i can tell because you're you have a family, you just had a baby, you have a house, you have, you know, playing all kinds of gigs. Um, and you're also teaching, right? You're, you have like a in-school teaching job. Yeah. I've been uh, 13 years at Canton high school now. 
wow, is that full-time band director? Gig? Yeah, I do, all, I do all the instrumental ensembles. So I do uh, the, the band, uh, the orchestra, the jazz ensemble, and then the jazz combos, and then the, the, the pep band for the athletic games, and then the, the pit orchestra for the musicals. So, um, you know, um, it's, it's, a, it's intense, but a lot of that is, is during the day, you know, so I've kind of tried to structure it in a way that, um, you know, that, that usually by three, four o'clock I can leave. Wow. Man, you know. do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> hey, I guess what coffee's for, you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, you, you, you find a way to make it work. You know, I would say one of the things that people ask me, you know, about, you know, that question, do you sleep? I, you know, I do, but you know, there's, there's things I don't do. Like I don't go golfing with my buddies. Like I don't go like there's, there's other kind of sacrifices that you make. And, mm. you know, then as a musician, part of your social life becomes the gigs and it becomes playing and you're working, mm. you're out there, but you're also hanging with your friends and, you know, and I try to, I try to work with my friends a lot. You know, I feel like you make better music when you're playing with your friends. You can play mm. with the most killing band in the world. Right. But if you don't, if you don't know them and you don't, you don't know them as, I feel like if you don't like know them as people, sometimes you don't make the best music with them, you know, but sometimes you can be working with a lesser musician, but you might know their husband or their wife, or you might know their kids and you might know a little bit about them and, and you have a little more trust and then all mm. of a sudden the music can go in a little different direction because you, you intimately know these people. And, and so I, I do believe you make your best music with your friends. So no. a lot of the sacrifices that you have to make to do it, I don't feel like are sacrifices because I'm still, you know, I might not be golfing with like buddies from high school or something, but, but I am, you know, I, I am with my friends playing music. So, um, mm. you know, I guess that's just a different way to look at it. It sounds like that was kind of almost like your response. It feels like, and you know, you should probably tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that was kind of the reason you probably started the Brian Thomas, Alex Lee Clark big band. It seems like, I mean, one, it is like a super group and everyone there is pretty incredible musicians, certainly top players in Boston, if not the whole region or anywhere, amazing players. But also it seems like there's kind of like a camaraderie, friends, you know, kind of just doing it to be together and hang out, have have a reason to get together and play music at a really high level, but also because it, it seems like there's a camaraderie. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I mean, well, think about it. Like we've been playing in big bands since what sixth grade, right? And you play in mm -hmm. big bands, and you're all the way through high school. Then you do it in your undergrad. Then you your masters, and if you're getting your doctorate, you're still playing in a big band. And then all of a sudden. Big band's over, you know, you know, it's, it's like this academic ensemble that, uh, you know, and, you know, you got John Allmark down in, 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 in Providence and, you know, I play in uh, Mike and Joe Cassano big band and they have some cool stuff happening, but, you know, there's not a, there's not a ton. And oftentimes, you know, you're sight reading on those gigs. So the level it's just not at like when your college big band where you're like rehearsing for four hours a week and you're like you're getting those solis perfect and you're getting everything like lined up, you know, that's a pretty high level. And then to not, to not have that experience on a regular basis anymore, once you become a professional musician is kind of wild, especially because your whole training, you did that, you know, the, the whole way through. So I, I, I think the players that, that play in the big band, I think they crave that. Um, 
and yes, we're all friends. We all play like in smaller groups together in various, you know, various uh, settings and various, uh, you know, you know, you know, setups and, and you know, with either with the horn players or the rhythm section. So everybody's cool and everybody's friends, but you're right. It's the best players in town and, you know, they roll out, you know, and they play a, a, a three hour gig for, you know, I won't say how much it pays because it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but, 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 um, you know, but I, I feel like everybody kind of checks their ego at the door and everyone's is happy to see each other. You know, I know for me, it's like, man, and I get to, I get a chance to hang out with Ben Griffin and Clayton DeWald and Angel Sabero and Pete Finelli and Jeff Galindo and like all these people that I, you know, that there's usually not more than one trombone on a gig, you know, so if I can, mm. So if I can sit with those guys and learn from them and hang with them too, you know, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing, you know? So, and you know, with that band, it's really cool because everybody, and the, the funny thing is everybody knows they're only getting one or two solos, right? Cause there's 18, 18 people in the band. So everyone's like, okay, it's my turn. So every, every, every song is like this, like <sighs> epic thing. Like, you know, if this tenor player knows, okay, here's my one shot, you know, here we go. You know? So, um, and I feel like everybody appreciates listening to each other and everyone, you know, and, you know, Alex and I are very open to like opening things up and like, you know, people can make up backgrounds, people can do whatever they want. You know, we want, we want it to, to feel, to feel free, you know, even though we're sitting there reading charts, we don't want it to feel like, you know, well, you have to repeat that three times. And if that, you know, we, we want it to feel open and, and relaxed. So it's almost like, you know, when you listen to the live Thad Jones, you know, Mel Lewis stuff and, you know, you can, you can hear it breathe a little bit more than the studio records. And, you know, you can, you can, you can, you know, all of a sudden it's a hard bop quintet out of nowhere for 15 minutes. And then, and then the big band comes back in, you know, so, and I think, uh, I think we try to use that as inspiration for how we approach, you know, playing those songs. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, feels like it has a party vibe it's got like a really intense live energy sound um and not to mention i don't think we've said this yet but it the music that you've written for you and alex it feels like it's you know a heavy dose of funk like definitely not traditional jazz swinging big band by any means it's kind of much more almost like funk funk big band aco oh. parker kind of thing yeah, well, I mean, that's the music that would like we're playing a lot in small group settings, right? So why not take that instrument of the big band and that sound? You know, there's nothing more, you know, exciting to hear those five saxes, especially like when you get a, a voiced out sax solely, you know, and hearing that brass and like that, that sound is such a beautiful instrument, you know, mm -hmm. to write with and to use as, you know, as a, as a composer to use as a tool. Um, but we just want to play the music that we're playing, that, that we, that we're playing, you know? Um, so, um, there, there is some swingers in the book, but they, they don't get called too often, <laughs> you know? Uh, there's a couple and, and, you know, Alex and I both write, write, uh, you know, more straight ahead stuff as well. But for this band, um, it's definitely more, more funk, hip hop. We have some reggae tunes. We have some Afrobeat influenced vibe, you know, and some tunes and, um you sound a little bit sad about that would you want to play more swing stuff uh i mean uh oh i listen i mean i listen to i listen to jazz every day you know <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say that right so i listen yeah. to it every day but the reality is it, 
is do, do does the audience want to hear that you know mm. and what kind of vibe you said it's a party vibe what kind of vibe are we we trying to create you know one of those things our, our, our good friend caroline alden who's a great photographer in, in in the scene you know i you know was talking to her and she's like she's like you know um the thing that she loved about our sally o'brien's uh, residency was that you know she's like everybody that you wanted to see was either on stage or in the audience watching you know everybody yeah. was there hanging it was a musician hang and um you know that's the kind of environment we're trying to create you know yeah. and we want to bring that also you know to circle it back around you know i just talked about how we wanted to take it out of academia you know we, we so we took it out of academia but now what we do on a regular basis is we bring it back in and we do mm. clinics and we do workshops and we bring that music and um at the high school and middle school and college setting you know so we've had We've had groups all over the country um, at all three levels, middle school, high school, and college, you know, playing these charts. And sometimes we rewrite them to help the band directors fit their instrumentation or their ensemble, their needs. Um, and, you know, kind of bring, you know, and there's nothing wrong with playing like, you know, a, a, a funk arrangement that, you know, that you get on JW Pepper or something of like Jungle Boogie or, or you know, but like, but we 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 think that you should be able to play funk and soul and hip hop and Afrobeat and reggae in 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 a big band setting with new music that's being composed for that ensemble. And so um, we 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 love bringing it back to the academic setting and, and and teaching and and you know some really 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 special evenings of music have gone on over the years collaborating with young students and 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 getting them excited about about playing big band yeah you know, but still rooted in ellington and basie and thad jones and and mm. you know that, that's still rooted right there you know and we have you know alex is, is masterful at um at arranging and writing you know in that ellingtonian style so we have a few tunes we have this uh, one tune off our first album rollo tomasi that is very uh, much a uh, you know, you can hear the the Strayhorn and Ellington influence, and then the, another one, a uh, 21st Century Traveler, um, off. I forget which one is that on the second or third. Um, it's on one of the albums, but that also has like a very um, a Duke Ellington, um, in you know, uh, noticeable influence, even though we're playing funk. Mm, sure. Yeah, it, it's kind of amazing the the repercussions of starting the group. Like I. I, I can imagine maybe starting the band, which is, you know, for anybody who's never written a big band chart, that's a pretty huge thing. And, you know, with time you get better in practice and it probably gets a little bit easier, but it's a huge undertaking to write music for, you know, 18 players, just, just to write one piece for 18 players is yeah. a, a huge undertaking, let alone three albums. So maybe it starts off as like, oh, I want to play with my friends. I want to play music that's original or that's fun. I want to try and just like put a big band together because there's not a lot of big band, but then it kind of blossoms and blooms into this thing. And who knew that, you know, 10 years down the road, you'd have 10 albums, you'd have three albums out and you'd be playing, you'd be sharing your charts with schools, kind of like going full circle, you know, from starting in college as big band players and making your own big band, and then bring it back to schools and bring yeah. the music that you wrote and teaching kids with it. Well, it did start in the academic setting because Alex and I actually met together at UMass Amherst um, mm. as jazz composition majors. We okay. were both in the master's program under the uh, tutelage of Jeff Holmes, 
who um, if, 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 you, if you ever get a chance to play Jeff Holmes music on his charts, and he's a he's a, a wonderful composer and arranger, um, uh, you know, brilliant, brilliant. So we, 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 we were both there at the same time. So our schedules mirrored each other. And we, we always, you know, from, from day one of, in that program, we were playing each other's music and like, you know, uh, you know, working together. So that's where it all kind of started. And then, uh, you know, after those two years, you know, uh, uh, I was already living out here in Boston, but, but Alex decided to move out to Boston. So it just kind of, just kind of grew from, grew from that. Yeah. So, yeah, that I, I wanted to ask you. So I, I know that you grew up in Buffalo, New York, right? Actually, Rock. Actually, I, okay, my bad. I, I I guess I didn't know, but I I knew you're from New York. I always see you posting about Chargers. <laughs> yeah, Bills, 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 Bills. Yeah. I was about to curse. I will not curse, but I. <laughs> I'm I'm not much of a sports person, but I know that you're posting about some New York sports teams. Yeah, man. Um. <laughs> I, I know that much. So I knew that you grew up not in the area. So what what did bring you to the area? Was it UMass Amherst? No, no, I was um I was uh, I was living in Ithaca, New York. So I went to Ithaca College. That's where I did my undergrad work. And um I had this jam band that we that we had started up back in the in the late nineties. And uh so even back then when I was, you know, significantly younger, you know, we were, I was meeting people in the scene and, and playing shows. And, um, we, um, we played the show, uh, with this band called fat bag. And, you know, we, we, and, and I remember the, the, the funny thing about it was, was we were the Kings of Ithaca, you know, we were selling out all the clubs all the time. And the guy was like, Oh, I'm going to have to bump you guys. Cause these guys really need this date that are traveling through here. Or, you know, if you want, you can, you can, you can open up for them, you know, and we had already promoted. So we're like, I guess we'll open up for them. We'll see it. And I remember we were talking smack. We were like, Oh, who the hell's fat bag? What, what, what's this? And I remember walking up with the drummer, Aaron Jackson, and we were, we were, we were heading into the club and I heard Adam Deitch sound checking and Adam Deitch is the, the, the drummer and lettuce now. And, you know, mm. brilliant, you know, and I could tell we hadn't even walked into the club, you know, and I was like, oh, I was like, that's that's who Fat Bag is. And, uh, you know, they 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 killed it. I mean, they were they blew, they blew our minds that night. And then afterward, you know, we went to our space where we rehearsed all both bands and, we, you know, we you know, stayed up until the sun came up and made music together and played. And um, so I had, you know, I had Sam Kininger's phone number, who's an alto saxophone player that was playing with that group. And, um, you know, and he was, he was telling me about Wally's. He was like, dude, he's like, you know, if you're ever in Boston, come, you know, we're at Wally's every night, come sit, come sit in, come hang. So I was like, okay. So I had his number and um, I always had romanticized Boston a little bit because my dad is from Boston. So my, my grandma lived out here at the time. My, actually, my aunt lived out here in, uh, in Attleboro, south of town. Um, and so as a kid, we always came out and visited. So I had kind of these romantic feelings about Boston anyway. And um, I was touring with a reggae band called John Brown's Body, which is uh, half out of Ithaca and half out of Boston at the time. And so I was like, well, I was like, why don't I just move to Boston? You know, that way, you know, I'm still still connected with with the John Brown's body crew. But um, I needed to I needed to leave Ithaca and kind of you know, get, get to a, a bigger place. So um, that's how I moved here, to be honest. Mm. With you. And I was like, oh, I have this dude Sam's number. You know, I can go to Wally's, you know, and that's pretty much why I came here. You know, it wasn't for school. So 
it was weird, man. I, I think that's another thing that actually I used to in my advantage a little bit because I don't know about you and, and, and your, some of the younger players. I feel like Boston sometimes is very segregated. And here's the New England Conservatory musicians and here's the Berkeley Cats and here's the, you know, and it, and it was like these pockets. And I remember I'd go to Wally's and, and, you know, play. And then the next night I'd be at this club, Matt Murphy's, and there'd be like a lot of NEC kids there. And I'd be like, oh, you don't know these dudes over here? I was like, well, they just play like three miles away, you know? And they, they didn't interact. because so, I tried to jump on board with everybody. You know, I was like, I'm, a, you know, as, as, a, as somebody that didn't go to school here, I didn't have connections like that. You know, for me, I made my connections through the club scene more than, more than anything else. Um, so maybe in some ways that was an advantage for me because I wasn't biased by, by my, my, uh, you know, my social network or the musicians that I had gone to school with. I kind of was starting from scratch, you know, a little bit. Um, so then luckily enough, man, I, like I said, this is just one of those things, right place, right time. I had been sitting in at Wally's a bunch and then the trumpet player had to leave that had the gig on Sunday nights, had to leave town, uh, an emergency, something went down. And, uh, my good friend, Aaron Bellamy, who's a great bass player around town with the ABs. Um, you know, he, you know, I had been hanging with him all the time. He's like, well, why don't you just jump on and take this gig? So I, I kind of cut everybody in line at Berkeley that had been waiting to like get that gig and, and so all of a sudden I was, I was playing Sundays and then soon enough we were playing Wednesdays too. So I was playing twice, a, twice a week at Wally's, you know, hosting the funk night. And, um, you know, it kind of happened fast to be honest with you. It was like, all of a sudden I had the gig. And so, you know, Wally's is great now, but back then it was just a little bit different. There was, there was, it was, there was like so many people sitting in, there were so many touring musicians stopping by like after their gig and to sit in and it was just, a, it was, it was a little bit different, kind of the, the neighborhoods changed now with Northeastern kind of taking over a lot of that neighborhood. And, um, but back then it was, it was more of a neighborhood bar and a neighborhood jazz club, um, you know, playing to mostly a black audience, you know, and it mm. kind of, it kind of, it's not, it's not really the same anymore. Don't get me wrong. It's still awesome. You know, I still, you know, still love Wally's whenever I get a chance to go there to, to hang and sit in or, or just to, to watch. I, I, I love it. But, um, um, that was Wally's was instrumental for me mm. in terms of meeting everybody in the scene and, and, um, and, and, and learning about, you know, how everything worked, you know, it was, it was huge, huge. <laughs> That's actually, that was the first time I saw you play was you were with the ABs at Wally's. It was a Tuesday night. And I remember, you know, I, I kind of had a similar experience as to what you're describing. Um, like I went to NEC and I thought I could rely on those connections and just like, okay, cool. I went to school. I met all these people and where are the gigs? <laughs> and then, you know, it turns out everybody leaves town. Like, I don't think I know any NEC people. There's like very few NEC folks from my class who stayed in Boston. Most of them left. So at a certain point I was like, oh shoot. Like if I, if I want to play around town, I've got to start going to clubs and hanging out and meeting people. So that's what brought me to Wally's on a Tuesday. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I went to Wally's that night intending to play. And then I saw you and I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, no. I was like, I'm not, I'm just going to watch tonight. Uh, and I, I heard you play and I was like, wow, like I'm, I'll come back another time. 
that I mean, I love to play next time. I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to play with you again at Wally's if that was a chance. But yeah, man, it was it was great to hear you, and man, it sounded amazing. So that was that's sweet of you to say. Yeah. So, well, how long ago was that? A couple of years, three or four years ago. Yeah. So I must have just been filling in for a night. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I hadn't, I haven't, I haven't steadily played that gig in probably a decade, or even yeah, more, yeah. Uh, even more than that. So I probably was just jumping on board for an evening, filling in for for Andrew Fogliano or whoever was, whoever was usually playing horn on the gig. Yeah. Um, at that time, yeah, man, ABs are awesome. You know, everyone should go sit. In. They, they, you know, we'll see as everything opens back up. You know, um, in terms of how residencies keep going and how the little club, the weeknight club dates, kind of pull themselves back together. Because I feel like that's been the slowest in terms of getting things back together. But um, Aaron and Amy are awesome. You guys should mm-hmm. go go see them. They're they're mm-hmm. they're they're masters of their craft and um they're they're such beautiful human beings and mm-hmm. um i honestly i could probably trace almost all my gigs back to aaron bellamy you know <laughs> in boston he was so he was so warm and welcoming and and excited you know to, to to have me on board and you know he really introduced me to so many people so i mean mm-hmm. i'm eternally grateful to 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 aaron bellamy and wally's and everything that uh that that did for me in terms of introducing me to boston yeah you were talking about how you've you've noticed wally's changing over the years how what other kinds of changes have you noticed in the boston scene since you've been living here um i feel like there's less there's a little bit less opportunity for local bands or at least maybe i don't know where they are and like so whenever i'm playing on a gig you know you know, when there's some younger cats, I'm like, okay, where are you guys playing? Where's the spot? You know, you know, there must be a spot that I don't know about, or there, there must be something happening. And, um, cause we had Wally's and we had this other place, Matt Murphy's that was in Brookline. That was, you know, huge for like, you know, improvisational music and, and, and jamming and networking. But then there was also lots of little clubs like the good life and Les Zigomites and, um, you know, a little yeah. place where you could play jazz gigs. And I feel like, um, those have gone away and they've been replaced by other places, you know, but then some, the pandemic has killed some of those places as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when I was younger, I feel like there was a lot of rooms that were like either two, you know, 200 to 500 capacity that like you could put shows together um, within the local scene. And I feel like that's a little harder right now. I feel like live nation and like the corporate stuff has a grip on a lot of that. So it's kind of, it's just different. And like that has its place too. And, you know, so I don't want to hate on that, you know, cause I love the fact that you can bring touring musicians into Boston, but it's, um, it, it, it is a little bit of a challenge. You know, I, I, I you know, it's funny. I was talking to, um, a colleague that I played some gigs with John Widely, great trumpet player, younger dude. I don't know if you know John. And, and, uh, and, you know, I was like, where do you guys play? It's like, where's all the young, you know, where's the 20 year olds and you know, where, 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 where's it all happening? And, um, you know, I fear that it's happening in the, in dorm rooms on Instagram and like, and I feel like, like that people aren't actually connecting and playing music and like, dude, I hear some stuff on Instagram that humbles me. And I'm like, holy mackerel, like listen to this 21 year old kid, just like whizzing it on the trombone. I can't play that stuff. I like, you know, mm. I have to, I have to shed all week just to try to like attempt to do any of that stuff, you know, but then I'm like, okay, well, where can I go see them play? And then I see, oh, they don't have any gigs. 
Hmm. You know, they like they're not actually playing with with people. So yeah. I so I, I guess I don't know. You know where this where it is now. May you know, and I wish there was a, a spot. You know, that that you know that you could go hang. Like I used to love it when some of the older just people a little older than me would come to Wally's and. And especially if they would cut me up, you know, if I was like, oh, man, I got to go practice. Andre Hayward, I don't know if you know Andre Hayward. Uh, great, great bone player. He lives down in in, um, in Houston now, or maybe, maybe he lives in Austin. He lives down in Texas. He's originally from there, but he was up here for a while, and he was in Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, and he's got a, he's got a great duo record out with Steve Teray that they put out after J.J. passed away of all these J.J. tunes, uh, you know, J&K vibe. And anyways, but, you know, he would come to Wally's and I'm going to see him walk in the door. I'm like, oh, boy, here goes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh my time God. to get killed, <laughs> you know, but but that was like that was that was the I loved it. You know, that was like the most inspiring things like, you know, I'd want to practice at two in the morning when I got home, you know, after after mm. like Andre would come sit in be like, oh, I need to I need to go home and practice. Um, Who are some of those other like big players who are the like the generation above you the really influential cats around town in boston it was it was jeff galindo and and andre hayward were that were you know the two main the two main guys that really blew me away that i could you know and those are people i had the opportunity to play with you know in in either big bands or sitting in or or hanging and i did i did study with jeff um and so that was cool um i did study with hal crook and, mm. and back then he was playing a lot of trombone. He was doing it every Tuesday night down in um, AS220 in Providence. Mm. And so and we'd actually, uh, we'd have, we had a residency. We had a, a weekly gig in Providence too, but it, it was, and it ended early. So we'd kind of try to finish it up quick so we could get over and check out, you know, Hal Crook with, you know, Bob Gulati would be playing drums mm. and, you know, Dave Zinno on bass or, you know, these cats. So, it was always super inspiring to hear Hal Crook uh, play, uh, for sure. <coughs> um, but, you know, I would say Andre and, and, and Jeff, in terms of people that I would see on a regular basis, where they, would, they, would, they were the guys. Mm. What has your experience in the scene been, generally speaking, with racism and or sexism? And I, I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective doubly not only as a performer and someone who's like performing around town and clubs and stuff but also as a teacher with kids yeah well i mean boston boston remains segregated in a lot of ways um i've played a lot in the scene stemming back from wally's in uh, you know a lot of the black clubs you know or quote-unquote black clubs you know played at slades and and you know bob the chefs before it turned into daryl's and um um you know played in, in you know some of the more smooth jazz settings and stuff like that and um um it definitely seems to be very much segregated you know um and 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 i wish it wasn't we actually alex and i have talked about this specifically how, how to be proactive about mm. making the big band more diverse Mm -hmm. um and you know we've we've we, we have a, a handful of, of of female musicians that join us you know uh lee haruvi joins us on on saxophone mm -hmm. and eliza block joins us on trumpet and uh nice. Tia fuller has played with us 
and Amy's played with us, and, uh, Balamim. And so, you know, there's there, there, there's women in the scene that that that's certainly we've we've invited in as part of it. But um, I would I, I wish we had more, you know, and I and I and um, I wish there was a way more going back to like the whole like where are the where are the young kids or you know I feel like if we're playing a show at Sally O'Brien's which is all ages like where's the isn't there like where's the young black sax player like that goes to Berkeley or NEC that you know would love to hear Tucker Antel shred you know like would like like and then we should be meeting that person and hanging out and they should be on the gig they should be on the list you know sitting either sitting in or 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 filling in subbing on a gig you know and i feel like that is certainly uh, a gap in our mm. in our uh outreach um you know and maybe that's a conversation maybe maybe with maybe sitting down for lunch with jason palmer and tia fuller and trying to have them help us you know you know uh, bring some of the younger musicians in um but you know same thing with we don't have a lot of the black musicians that that play with us you know Bijan watson plays with us uh you know um jeffrey lockhart's in the band guitar player but um it's 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 you know it's it's it's, it's tricky i think boston in, in general is, is a little bit tricky on that you know mm. Um, but I do think it probably a good first step would be to connect with some of the younger musicians in town. Uh, what does that look like? Like, do you think you would literally like be hanging, <laughs> hanging out at colleges, like handing out flyers, like, Hey, check out my show. Come check, like, come see my maybe, show. Or like you, know, you going to college shows, like going to the Berkeley calf shows or something. Or what, Maybe, what yeah, mean? maybe that could work. I don't know. You know, it's definitely an issue and it's definitely something we've, we've actively talked about. You know, I was, when you were when you were talking about playing, I was thinking about how, like, I think a lot of people want to go to college, maybe in New York, and they'll go to college in New York to play. And like, the idea is, is that like, New York is kind of like the destination point, the cats are there, there's already a lot of stuff happening there, there's all the clubs, the famous clubs, famous players, everyone's there. So it's like you go to college, maybe just to hang out, but really, you're trying to get out to the clubs. But I wonder if maybe there's less of that expectation in Boston, people are maybe thinking like, oh, like <laughs> they don't know about you or Tucker or Tia or Jason. I mean, Jason just left, but you know, about all the people that are here, you know, big, the big people like, you know, foundational players in the scene here who are amazing. You can learn so much from in the, the venues. And I wonder if there's kind of like a disconnect, like Berkeley or NEC or I don't know, whatever other people are around maybe just like want to kind of stay in their, their thing. And yeah. I don't maybe, know. maybe I think it, I think 20 years ago when I first got here it was, it was, you saw more of it. I think wow. there's, there's less of it now. Like I said, I feel like, I feel like it's a different culture. I feel like it's like making that, 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 that badass video on Instagram is more important than going and sitting in somewhere. And maybe I, I'm wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But, but like, it just, it, I think it just changed. Mm. it's changed a little bit and uh and uh you know i don't know if it's incumbent upon us as the working musicians in town to try to pull more people in i don't know if it's incumbent upon the, the professors that are that teach at these institutions to like oh dude you should go check out this not for nothing 
I don't know if I want to go down this road either. But a lot of the, but a lot of the full time professors ain't ain't playing gigs either. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they're not. I don't know where they are. You know, you know how many people teach at Berkeley? You know where where they where's everybody? You know, mm-hmm. so maybe they're comfortable and they just don't want to do it anymore. You know, maybe that love of performing, like for me, like it's like yeah, man, I'll go do a gig. <laughs> like I like the music is the, the for me the first the first thing that i think of when someone asks me to do a gig is what's the music going to be and who are the people i'm playing with mm. if it's good people and good music the bread is second yeah you know it, for me now that's uh, like i said that's uh, i don't want to i don't want to like if, if if other people are like well i don't leave the house for less than 300 bucks i get it I totally get that. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a different approach. Um, but, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like I, per, I perform and I play and I do what I do because I love playing. I love playing with people. I love interacting. I love, I love the whole experience. I love that more than I love playing trombone, to be honest with you. Mm. You know, I feel like if I do, if I was a if I was a, a trumpet player or a pianist or something else, I feel like I would have the same thing. I feel like uh, that that inter- that human inter- interaction and um, you know f- that you get from your fellow musicians and that and that you also get from the audience. You know, that's like man, I get high on that. You know, it's like that's mm. like that's it, that's it. You know, to communicate to. To, to have someone come to a gig and bring a piece of music that no one's played before that they wrote that week and to be able to play that and make that that come alive for another musician or for me to like you know like i mean i got just right here all these charts that i just put together for a gig last week of, of brand new music that we just wrote you know for for us to like to put to, to come together and to make it come alive you know is is huge and that's what that's that's what i do so i don't you know and I feel like there's a lot of people like that too at school. I just don't know. I don't know where they are though. I wish they would come, you know, I mm. wish they were out. Some of them have, you know, we had, um, like I said, Eliza, you know, is NEC student and she was playing with us a bunch and um, uh, John Michael Bradford, a trumpet player that he was at Berkeley. He's back down in New Orleans now, but he was playing with us a bunch. And, you know, so we'd, we'd, we'd find a few here and there, but um, it seems to me that I'm sure there's amazing musicians and amazing players that um, make those awesome, sick Instagram videos that like, I would, that it would be cool just to have them sit in a section and, 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 or, or come hang or a small, it doesn't have to be with the big band. It could be with like, you know, small groups, you know, come down to Wally's come down to wherever, you know um, um, it seems like there should be more of that. And Boston's always been transient. It's a college town. It should, and that makes sense, right? You know, people roll through and some people stay. I, you know, it was supposed to be temporary for me, you know, and I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm still here now, but um, um, so, you know, it, it's going to be transient. So for you to say like that, a lot of your crew at NEC is no longer here. That's not surprising. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not super surprising. That's kind of how Boston is. Um, but um, while they're here, I wish they were more part of the, about of the scene. You know, that's one of the things when I was at Ithaca College, and I think this, this also is part of my, my, my training going back, you know, I had gigs with musicians that lived in the city of Ithaca. 
you know, you know, I remember after like, you know, we'd have trombone choir rehearsal, you know, I'd be like, oh, I got to catch the bus and head downtown to, to go to another rehearsal or to go do this. They're like, where are you going? Like, who are you playing with? Like, what are you like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, you don't know, man. There's all these, there's all these musicians that are just live in the city of Ithaca that don't go to Ithaca and they don't go to Cornell and they're not associated with the college and they're, but they're just, they're just there, you know? So, mm. you know, now I've always had it in my mind that performance was a big part. I was lucky. I grew up in Rochester, New York and, you know, my middle school band director and he also taught the high school jazz band was by a guy by the name of Rich Thompson. And Rich, he's, he's the he's the main drum professor at Eastman School of Music now. You know, he's mm. heaviest of the heaviest. So I saw him play with Count Basie. I saw him play with Winton. I, you know, you know, he's wow. he's super heavy. He just went to Eastman and stayed in Rochester. So, you know, he happened to be our teacher, you know. And then my band director also is a guy by the name of Roger Eckers, who's an incredible, incredible saxophonist. And he was actually an incredible violinist. And, um, you know, he was always playing gigs too, you know? So like my vision as a little kid of these teachers were, um, uh, okay, they teach, they teach me during the day and then they go play at night, they go play gigs, you yeah. know? And so I saw that, I saw that at a, at a young age, you know, and I just always thought that's, that's what you do. That's how it's mm. done. Yeah. So, and I didn't, you know, then when I started, when I got into teaching and I got into the band director world, which is a whole nother world, you can have a whole nother podcast about band, band, <laughs> high school band directors, because it's, 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 it's a little out there, you know, and um, a lot of them haven't picked up their instruments in years. And they're up there and they're great teachers and they do great work with kids. But, but for me, I think I'd be resentful of my job teaching if I wasn't still performing and I also love teaching. I don't think I'd ever want to, you know, I've had opportunities to be a full-time road musician and I've turned those down because, um, because of my teaching gig, hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I don't, I've just, I just always have, have done both, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I do, I, I'd be lying if I wasn't saying, I don't, I wonder where some of these Berkeley professors are. Like, how come I don't see you? Like, you play do you do you play games anymore like what's like you know because why like why are we doing it you know you know no one's going to get rich off this right mm. like none of us none of us are 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 you know buying a buying a mansion in brookline or something you know like we're like none of us are getting rich off this so like you you know hopefully you do it for the the interaction you do it for the music and you do for the the, the connection to, to people and everything around you. So, um, mm -hmm. but you know, that's why I do it. Yeah. I was going to say, um, it's kind of interesting. You're talking about getting offers to do like, you know, major national or even international tours, you know, full-time touring kind of stuff. Um, what, what kind of opportunities, have you had in Boston? What what kept you in Boston? You said it was kind of a transitory or like a uh, sorry temporary decision. Um, you were thinking about maybe leaving. Where were you thinking about going? What kept you in Boston? I mean, you know, you always like, oh, I'm gonna go to New York, or you know, or you know, go to L.A. and do the pop musician thing, maybe you know, or you know. But for me, it, you know, I just was working. You know, I had gigs. I was playing with great people and making great friends. Um, I have a 14 year old son. Um, so that, you know, that, that definitely is, it was a huge consideration of not, 
you know, you know, you know, you know, that only happens once, right? You know, so like if you if you're on the road and you you're like, you you miss, you you know, and I were to miss him like learning how to ride a bike, you know, that would not be cool for me. Other other people are you know have 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 find ways to deal with it and and you know but for me that was that was that was also more important than than touring you know and i've done some touring um but if i can make the same or more money and have the same musical experience and for the most part make it back to my bed every night (laughs) you know i'm cool with that you know and i have been you know with i've been you know, probably almost every major city playing in, in this country over the years with some group in some way, shape or form, you know, whether that's out West or down South or, you know, not, not I guess not so much in the middle of the country, some, some spots down there I've missed, but um, it's great, but it's, it's sometimes it's not as glamorous as you might think because, you know, bus calls at 9 a.m., Right. And you, you, so you, you eat, you eat breakfast or do whatever you need to do to get on the bus. And then you get to the venue and then you, you set up and you sound check. And then you, you know, you go back to the hotel and you check in and then you get showered and get organized and then you go play the gig. (laughs) Then you wake up the next day and you do the same thing, you know? So like, it's cool and it's great. And like, and I loved a lot of the touring that I've done, but you know, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know, and it's not, you know, it's not like you're, you know, you do have days off here and there where you can see the country and you can see things and you can do other things, but like, um, it's, it's a lot of work. It's hard work and you're away from your family and, you know, um, unless you're like in a really comfortable position where you're on like a a tour bus and it's super comfy and like, you know, everyone's got their own hotel rooms and, you know, that's, that's a little bit different, but like, you know, back in the, the late nineties and early two thousands when I was, you know, gallivanting all over the place, you know, we're in a 15 passenger van, you know, maybe three people to a hotel room or maybe some hippies floor that you just slept on because that was the best you could do that particular night. And, you know, it was, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not easy, mm. you know, who are some of the, the acts that you've toured with? um touring uh with john brown's body uh mm-hmm. for sure and then you know, my my jam band back in the day uh was called nosmo king which is funny um but that, that that band um so that was probably most of the touring and uh, like full like you know out for weeks at a time you know months um but then i've done like little runs with lettuce and i've done you know smaller little things here and there with with, with other groups um but um it's 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 work you know Hmm. it is work you know and it could be great but you know like i said if you get to that if you're up on that if you break that glass ceiling and you're kind of like at a level where you're super comfortable then 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 it could be i guess better and you can bring your family with you and like you know you have some some more opportunities but but um i've never done a pop gig you know, I've never, I've never kind of done that, that whole, that whole thing. So you mean a pop gig, like, you know, like a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of the, the people, especially Berkeley, I feel like is sometimes a factory for some of those pop musicians. So whether, you know, 
someone like you know timber justin timberlake or you yeah, know yeah. or bruno mars or you know beyonce sure you know, okay. a lot of those kind of gigs you know you know um i've never i've never done any of those kinds so uh but those are grinds you know even though you're at a high level that's a grind you know mm. and you're getting taken care of and you're comfortable but it's 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 hard work and then on the other, then you might not be music. You might not be being musically as uh, satisfied as you would, would like to be either. If you're playing the same exact show every single night, you know, with mm-hmm. no, with no wiggle room. Yeah, no doubt. But, but you know, that's but that some people love that. Some mm-hmm. people love doing the the pit orchestra thing, and they love like playing the same show, you know, every, all week, you know, or longer if you're on a longer run, you know. That's never been my 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 thing per se, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not good. Man, I'm not. Some of these guys are just better trombone players than me that can do those kind of gigs. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like uh, my role as a trombone player in, in in the scene, you know, leans more towards the artist side of things than the hired gun that's going to come in and and like nail the Book of Mormon and read it down perfectly and and nail it um just because that, that's just not where my my interest took me you know at, at Ithaca I was a classical major and you know you know mm. doing all the orchestral excerpts and doing all that stuff and you know um but then once I finished that I kind of was like oh, I'm, I'm all set you know and I, I you know wanted to go in a different direction you know then, so you never took any orchestral auditions or anything no not for real no no a couple years ago maybe right it was I guess a year and a half ago, I got to play with the the, the New Hampshire Symphony. Um, That's cool. Na- what Nash- was that like? It was cool, man. I was like, look at there's a bassoon right there. There's an oboe. Who you were here? <laughs> it was awesome. It was like a last minute thing. They needed me. That's the only reason why I got the call. Like you know. Um, uh, honestly, that's not my, it's not my thing at all. Um, but you were was, part of the section, like you were playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chair. But it was just cool. To, like you know, even though I teach, you know you know in that setting and i have an orchestra and and i do that um to sit there and like to have the conductor walk out and to stand up and you know everyone clap when the conductor comes out (laughs) it's so cool you know what i mean like sure for a lot of the other people they were like oh another one of these gigs but you know you know and i did more when i first moved into town i was playing with claflin hill uh symphony a little bit which is out of milford yeah you know nice community orchestra Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd play like sometimes in their summer winds concert series and like, you know, playing more like concert band type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I love doing that, man. I mean, but I can't, I can't hang with like on hell and like, you know, and like, um, you know, the stuff that he does on, on that, on that level with those, with those players, you know, which yeah. is funny because like a lot of the, he'll bring a lot of them to like uh, our gigs, you know, after like a BSO show or something. Really? And, like, oh man like i got like, that amazing like toby or steve or something or what's that like toby or steve or something yeah like or whoever yeah like I, maybe not toby's never come up but his friend han like you know just people like yeah, yeah. he knows through that he knows through the, the scene um and uh they're like oh wow this is amazing you know i'm like dude you just played symphony hall like <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't that amazing you know but um that, that's pretty cool though that's like such separate sides and having a like a really profound respect for each other you know han coming from what the the opera right yeah 
He's an opera trombonist, and then coming to see you play at Sally O'Brien's this little yeah. kind of I don't wanna, I want to say dive bar, but it's like a pretty yeah. tiny tiny spot. You yeah, you do not fit on the stage. Concert halls in the world, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, but, you know. If I mean, I, I wouldn't change anything, but man, it would be cool for one one moment to throw on a tux and to like to go play. You know, I did study with Norman Bolter for a little while. Mm. Um, but like when I studied with him, I was at UMass, I was a little older and, uh, you know, we weren't doing orchestral excerpts and, and, and that sort of stuff. It was more conceptual, um, you know, um, music, music concepts and, and sound production and different things. It was definitely, you know, he understood that he wasn't training me to, to go take any auditions or anything like that, you know. Mm. So, so I did have a nice, nice year of studying with, with Norman, but um. But yeah, man, it would be cool. Some, you know, you know, if I could, I could somehow place myself and 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 to be able to play like Mahler or something like that, like on a, on a, you know, on that level. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it won't, won't happen unless I take a drastic career change and and. Uh... <laughs> I was gonna say, man, you put a whole big band together. Why not just put an orchestra together? You can put together the Brian Thomas Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> yeah. Play play a couple Wagner pieces and a couple originals. Gonna play Sally O'Brien's. <laughs> yeah, bring it all in. And that would be, you know, it's beautiful music. I, you know, I love going to the symphony, and you know, you know, I do, I do. You know, my my dad is a huge classical music guy, so you know, that's one of the things that got me into playing music is um you know he would take me to uh, rpo concerts roster philharmonic orchestra and you know we go to mm. eastman, eastman concerts and you know and he and he was you know he's one of those guys though that like he knows everything about everything and so you know he'd be like oh you can't tell that's the cleveland symphony orchestra can't you hear the vibrato of the oboe i'm like oh you know he's like you know he knows he knows wow. you know is he a player or just a listener like a he, kind of fan he always jokes, yeah, he plays the stereo. Wow. That's <laughs> he, so yeah, he was he was a he was a phys ed teacher as a you know as a job, but a music lover. He you know, like I said, he grew up in Boston. He always talks about how he would, you know, you know, go see uh the BSO back in, you know, uh, you know, the just the sixties and wow. you know, hand out programs and you know, try to try to check it out. And you know, I think um you know he uh one of my grandma's friends, uh, she was a conservatory. She was ever, ever in Hartford and she was a pianist. And so she, uh, you know, kind of exposed him. He talks about like uh, being exposed to Peter and the Wolf. And then mm -hmm. from, from there kind of as a little kid and, and it just classical music clicked for him. So, um, um, so, you know, I had that, that kind of, you know, pedigree in terms of like listening, not necessarily playing, but like, you know, yeah. you know, you know he talks about how sometimes i would take the baton and conduct you know especially like for symphony fantastique or something like i was like you know like Sergio Zawa or whatever you know because you'd be watching videos of that and like you know um uh but like i said my path kind of went in a different in a, in a different direction yeah but someday you know i don't even i don't even have a big horn right now I had a, a recently sold a, a Con 88H, so I mean, you know, mm. maybe I'll have to call it my Ben Griffin. If any, all, all you trombone players out there, Ben Griffin, he's uh, he's uh, really getting into like uh, trading and selling trombones, and he's trying to start up some stuff. So if any any of you bone players out there need some gear, 
Mm. Uh, get a hold of Ben Griffin, Griffin, Griffin Brass, I think um, is all the tags on Instagram and everything, Facebook and everything. So maybe I need to hit Ben up and uh, if there's a, a U Shire line around or something that I can, that I can, that I can grab and, and get my, my big horn chops back together. I don't know if I know how to use a trigger anymore, but uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd figure it out, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably wrap it up soon. Anything else that you want to mention or talk about? Well, I, you know, I appreciate you doing this and I hope, um, I hope people are checking it out. And um, I think, uh, I think this is, this is great. So congratulations to you on getting this up and running. Thanks. Appreciate it. Really cool idea. You know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of podcasts have popped up and, you know, which is cool though, because like you can really focus if you're, if you're, if you're a trombone player around the area, you know, this, this is, this is a podcast you want to listen to. So, you know, and, 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 you know, see what's going on. So thank you to, for, for getting this going and come sit in, man. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, when... yeah. Come out to any, anytime you see me playing, man, come, come on, come out, make sure your horns with you and, and come yeah. sit in. Appreciate it. Yeah, you. I mean, you said July fifteenth. Uh, Brian Thomas, yeah, Alex yeah, Clark, we're back. Band, we're back. July fifteenth, you know, and uh, you also just released an EP too, right? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was that was your yourself. Yeah, that was just under my own name. I feel like I needed to put something out under my own name. So, um, kind of a similar thing, you know. It was all done virtually, you know. I, you know, uh, which was cool. So that's um. If you, you know, anywhere you stream, you could just do Brian Thomas and then uh, BT All-Stars. So one nice. track is like kind of like an organ boogaloo vibe, mm -hmm. soul jazz. And then um, the other one's more like a, a instrumental reggae vibe. So, you know, and those are the, you know, circling back around. That's kind of like people are like, well, what do you do? You know, it's like, you know, well, I guess that all kind of falls under the the umbrella of jazz. But like, you know my 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 stuff that is you know really more based on the groove and soul you know in in soul jazz vibe and then um you know uh, uh jamaican jazz and, and and reggae and um you know and there's 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 a really robust reggae scene around here in boston right now too which is really cool so um would you still say that's robust i i feel like i've heard people say it's maybe kind of in decline I don't know, man, I'm playing a lot of it, you know, <laughs> you know, um, you have the attractors, which is a great, uh, great band that rich Greco runs. Um, you know, you still got uh, dub apocalypse and like yeah. that crew of musicians. Um, you know, I play with sure. a band pressure cooker who, you know, we've been yeah. around for 25 years. We just had a couple shows, uh, coming out of the pandemic, which was fun. Um, just back Papa, Michigan, which was, which was nuts. You know, so if, uh, you know, I know it's the trombone, not a reggae podcast, but like, wow, Papa Michigan is from Michigan and Smiley, which is like, you know, you know, OG dance hall singer from, you know, yeah, from, from, from back in the day. So he came mm. up from Jamaica and we backed him. Um, so, nice. you know, oh, yeah, there's still a lot of stuff going on. There's stuff. Yeah. There's stuff. Yeah. Do you know what's happening with uh, Bulls? I mean, I think they're done. You think it's done? I think bowls is closed i think the i think the building's like been sold yeah that that's that's a pretty big big hit it's a big bummer it is i mean but somebody maybe it'll i don't know when but somebody will will i i, I have faith that all these places that have shut down somebody will come in with an idea and a little bit of a, of a, a budget and, and partner up with a chef you know and like yeah. you know 
something will happen you know it might take more a couple more years but like people you know we're humans you know music's been a part of who we are everywhere in culture everywhere you know going back all throughout history no matter what side of the world you live on you know music is part of our culture so uh, i refuse to believe that because places like bulls shut down that it's not going to still happen we just got to find the next spot you know, yeah. when, when matt murphy shut down in brookline everyone was like oh no like where are we all gonna go and then a lot of that shifted to bulls right, right. So like it, it, it just kind of happened so mm-hmm. um i have faith that it will i don't know when i don't know how you know i feel like a lot of it is happening in the suburbs a little bit i feel like people are getting out mm-hmm. of the city and there's like more things happening there's more things popping up here and there a lot of breweries, you know you what, know what stuff are you noticing in the suburbs just a fallout shelter in Norwood, you know, three square in Needham had some stuff going. Um, Trillium now just opened up a new place in Canton and they, you know, that they, they, they're, they're going to get music going. Um, Pem, down in Pembroke soundcheck studios, which is basically, yeah. they took all the equipment from Thunder road and took it down there, you know, so everything that was up over there in Somerville is now down in Pembroke. So, mm. you know, there's things have to, things, it, you know, will come around. Yeah. I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but like, you know, I feel like as, as humans and as culture and as, as a city like Boston, that, that, that has so many young people, you know, not only students, but young people working in the biotech industry and like, you know, there's a lot of people here and, um, you know, music's got to be a part of people's lives. So I feel like the yeah. venues will come back. Yeah, I think so too. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And whenever we figure it out, we know that there's going to be some trombonists there too. (laughs) That's right. right. Brian Thomas on the scene playing all over from Pembroke to Norwood to all all across the world. And it's been great chatting and I'm super grateful for your time. Really. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll catch you later. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Comments, questions, send me an email at bossbonespodcast at gmail.com. That's B-O-S-B-O-N-E-S podcast at gmail.com. Or follow me on Instagram, YouTube, or Spotify. You can follow Brian on Instagram at BT underscore trombone or B-T-A-L-C big band. Or you can find him at www.briantomastrombone.com. Trombone icon by Gregory Montini from thenounproject.com. Special thanks to Celine and Jeffrey. The Boss Bones theme was written and recorded by yours truly, Michael Prentke. Again, please follow at Boss Bones on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify, or visit at michaelprentke.com forward slash bossbones. And that's a wrap for season two. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. If you made it this far, um, I'd love to know what you thought about the podcast. Um, It's been a lot of work on my end, um, which has contributed to delays. So I'm sorry about that. And maybe one day I'll get to a season three. There's so many more trombonists I'd love to interview. So if you're excited about more Boss Bones, let me know. And um, we'll see about season three one day. Thanks, everybody.